Now, yeah. thank you very much. Thank you very much, man, for for joining us in um, uh, this. Actually, this is a podcast. Uh, I call it um, "Quiet Conversations" with L. Jackson Pasteur, which is just things, thoughts in in my mind, questions that I have, issues that I have um, that I just bring up in my mind, and basically issues that people have in their mind, and it's getting into these conversations so that we can build one another as a community, as a church community, as any, just uh, the community as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. today today we have, uh, it's a friend of mine, a brother of mine, a mentor of mine, and just, he's just, this guy is basically family. Uh, welcome Dr. Extreme Teach. Hey Elvis, it's good to be here and I'm very excited about it and uh, it's great to connect. Thank you for being a voice to our generation and leading in conversations that are vital for our community to move forward. Yes, yes. No, thank you very much. Uh, It's actually, the nice part about this is that um, you basically inspired uh, part of part of what I, I do, and you you've helped me grow. Even if sometimes we we're not so close, uh, we're not always together. But you've helped me grow in so many different ways, and I really thank you for that. I really appreciate the work that you do in our community and our society. Yeah, and, um, no, thank you. Yeah, and I actually owe you coffee. Yeah, <laughs> it's public. I'll take you up on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and like, you know, speaking actually, looking at your background right now, you've got so many books. And <laughs> and to think yeah, about it, you've written a lot of books. Uh, you, uh, I'll literally call you uh, New York's bestseller or the Church Times bestseller right now. And my question is, yeah. how many books have you written? so far um i've written i've just published my 16th book uh this week so our 16th book is coming out this week so i'm very excited about that wow and Mm. and you've you've written books about men you've written books about business you've written books about success you've written books about relationship Mm -hmm. what drives you into writing those books Yo, um, I, I worked as a youth pastor for seven years. And wow. in that period of time, I learned that um, you have not really changed a person's life until you've changed the way they think. And one of the best tools for, for changing people's thought patterns or helping them build what, what we call neural pathways for successful living is by giving them information that they must assimilate. So to assimilate information, there's several ways. You either watch a film, read a book, hear somebody talk or experience it. So that's where the, the passion now came in to say, how can I get people to to consume more content that drives them to the place of success. And as a pastor, you obviously want people to do well. You want people to to enjoy life, to live life to the max according to the Bible. And that's where I then said, no, I think I must really start capturing my content. And my first book was Success Paradigms 101. And that book basically was saying to people, you want to succeed, put on the right paradigm. 
view the world correctly, view your life correctly, and you'll begin to move from just 100% to 101. So I, it was just a, a very simple power tool to coach people for success. And then out of that, I then began to, the second book I wrote was actually dedicated to men amongst the giant killers. So challenging men to take on the giants that they face. And then after that, it was one book after another. And I've enjoyed the journey. So those are the main areas that I write about with the focus of bringing transformation by transforming people's thinking. Oh, wow, wow. So that's the renewal and the transformation of the mind, which is yeah. what we, we are, we ought to do, especially in, in, the, in, in ministry. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. 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 And, and then just to consider that, our, considering that our society um, does not speak about some of the issues, especially issues about sex, and you wrote a book uh, about sex, what inspired you to do that? Uh, <laughs> you know, we we have a global crisis, mm. a, a really a really big one, and it emanates from dysfunction in relationships. And the number one relationship that's becoming significantly dysfunctional, right from the book of Genesis, is marriage. Satan came and the first thing he attacked was marriage, the unity between husband and wife and the relationship between God and his creation. And the moment there was dysfunction, there was issues. And when I, when I started functioning from just being a youth pastor to being a pastor of a whole flock, I began to realize that there was a lot of dysfunction in marriage. Relationships were bad. And out of that, the rest of society becomes dysfunctional because kids coming out of a dysfunctional home will also be dysfunctional. It self-perpetuates into future generations. So that's when we realize we need to speak into marriages, strengthen marriages, help couples to know what marriage is, how marriage ought to function, and how to have a good marriage. So we wrote our first book, which was called Married and Loving It, which has become a whole business that focuses on coaching and building couples. And out of that came a movie, which is called Married and Loving It. It's coming out in about two months time. So I'm excited about that. So, so the movie is coming out. But um, we then realized that the book Married and Loving It covered the whole aspect of marriage, generally communication, a little bit about sex and money and so on. But the major issue that was causing the rifts in a lot of marriages was the sex department. And you realize that uh, the church is conservative about talking about sex. We are afraid to talk sex. The word sex, I mean, talking like this right now can be considered in some places to be to be really out of out of order yes. because the church is conservative about sex. But when you notice that people in church are divorcing, and committing adultery at the same rate that people in the world are committing adultery. Men of God, women of God are falling into sin and falling, going into sin with a worship leader, keyboard player, PA in their church, member in their church, at the same rate that CEOs and directors of companies are doing the same. You realize that there is a major problem. Yes. So we said we were we were either going to uh, there's a saying in in uh, in Zulu and Devele that says uh, you you hit the dog with uh, 
with a stick that you're hiding behind you. We could have continued hiding the stick, not wanting to talk about the real issue that's hitting people. So when yeah. you hit the dog, it's like the dog wakes up and says, something hit me, but I don't know what it is. It looks yeah. at you, you look innocent because the stick is hidden. Mm. So people are being hit by this thing that's causing issues pain, dysfunction, divorce, and breakages of marriages, and pain in people's lives. And the real issue is people are sexually starved. And they're sexually starved because they don't know how to have great sex in marriage. They don't know how to spice it up, make it great, make it wonderful. So you always think the grass is greener on the other side. That's mm -hmm. why adultery comes in. You think sex is better with another man, with another woman. So you open up that door and it becomes a cycle. When this oh. one doesn't work, you think maybe another woman. That one doesn't work, you think maybe another woman. So now you're shopping all over the place, hoping to find something that you could actually find in your own marriage. This is what motivated us to say, let's talk openly about this conversation that people want to hide behind. Wow. Wow, that's so cool. And I like the way you touched upon that, you know, marriages are breaking and some pastors are, are going into adulterous um, uh, um, relationships. And I could think in the, to, towards the end of the year last year, if I'm not mistaken, where there was a pastor from the Hillsong Church in America who had an affair. And yeah. my thing was, um, they fired him and I didn't, I didn't really agree with that because I feel like as a church, you cannot remove someone and fire them for an adulterous um, um, uh, relationship. But as a church, we need to build those people and kind of like grow with them, <clears throat> put him into a space where he can grow. And looking at that, you've written books about marriage, trying to, uh, with, which are helping save marriages and at the same time, save the relationship of a marriage. This is, this is a good thing for us. And this is gonna help us in, in our growth. And it, it gives people an easier form of way to come and just talk to you and, and say, okay, look, there's this problem that I have with my wife and it, it helps people grow in their marriages. And it's something that we really appreciate. And then, yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually that, that's so true. Uh, we've always maintained this position that the power of sin is in secrecy mm. and that power is broken when there's confession oh yes and for people to struggle a lot of people a lot of people are struggling from the sexual arena in marriage a lot of marriages are facing wars but because nobody's talking mm -hmm. they don't know who to talk to yes. if, if you're not open and i'm not open nobody's open and I'm facing sexual frustration, who am I going to talk to? Particularly within the Christian context, because it's difficult for me to come and say to you, hey, bro, I'm struggling sexually. I'm, yeah. I've got lust issues. I'm, 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 I'm in porn and this is happening and my wife is not satisfying me. It's difficult to have that conversation. So I'd rather burn and keep it a secret until you discover that my my maid at home is pregnant or my secretary is claiming that she's got my baby. And that's probably the scenario that you keep seeing happening in a lot of churches. These yeah, men yeah. of God are really, a lot of them, I know there's the, the crazy ones that do weird things, but I'm yeah. talking about real men of God. They, they, they are facing real challenges. 
but there's yeah. no one to talk to there's no place to have open conversation like my husband is always out ministering and preaching and by the time he gets home his wife is sleeping and there's no sex for two months three months and yeah. then one day while he's out on a preaching engagement somebody just walks in for counseling and something happens and you see it's things like that no open conversation and no open communication so whenever i struggle i hide everything i keep it to myself until boom it's an explosion because sexual energy is like a river if wow. you try and stop a river from flowing the water builds up and it becomes a dam and every once in a while if the water is building up in the dam they have to open the floodgates to release the water so that the dam wall doesn't break yeah. so what happens when something like this the incident you're explaining the dam walls are broken things have gone out of control yeah. why because something was a, a problem that was never addressed at its core so we need to have conversations like this men need to come out and have conversations about sex about sexual life i mean christians when we get to our brides we'll talk soccer we'll talk politics yeah. we'll talk about timeline whatever and all this stuff but but we'll never talk about my battles my issues what i'm struggling with so we are seeking to drive a conversation to say hey you can actually have the greatest sex life yeah. ever yeah. is a possibility and and the best thing for me here is that you wrote the book with your wife and as compared yeah. to some authors who would write about sex and they they tend to have a biased um idea in in sex which is only from a male's point of view or just from a female's point of view were you was that the idea behind you writing this book with your wife yeah, definitely um because we've done so many seminars and retreats and events conferences for couples um we we came to this realization that there's got to be a balanced um approach to presenting our content we cannot i cannot just come in as the hero as the pastor i'm the man of god i did my research i've got the sermon people want to know when i say this is what marriage is whatever point i bring across they their eyes will quietly look at my wife at the corner of their eye to see is he approving and saying he's right or is he just sitting there saying yo this guy is just talking his stories here so yeah. so the balance is very very useful in how something is presented i mean even as we were writing we we had a couple of discussions and she would say but this doesn't seem to balance you 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 seem to be so hard on the women and and so it brings proper perspective Wow. in terms of the content and the flow so having us both write the book brings that element of you can trust what is being said because it's been vetted both by the wife and the husband and I've, we've we've done events where we'd go and people would say no and the men would say no we don't want the pastor pastor teach to talk we yeah. want to ask your wife Yeah. so they begin to ask her direct questions and she begins to say no this is how we handle this this is a and that helps them to know that okay at least there's hope so yeah. that's why we wrote it uh, together wow so basically what you're saying is that people follow a leader that is real not a leader that is right exactly awesome exactly and as as compared to to the bible how explicit is your book about sex <laughs> I think I think we kind of we kind of took it a notch higher than the bible. <laughs> you know
know, um, when the Bible was being translated, um, uh, the people that that translated it, particularly from King James onward, they were that was a community that was riddled with uh, conservative language. Yeah. I mean, for example, when you look at a verse like Hebrews that says the bed undefiled, the yeah. original actually doesn't say the bed, but yeah. it says quaitas, quaitay which is where we get the word intercourse or sexual intercourse. So yeah. it was a more direct word in the original writing, but the translations had to kind of use euphemism to, to hide the strength of the truth so that it's palatable for its audience. But now we are in an audience where the people that are not in the Christian circles or even the Christians, when, we, when they go and watch movies, those, a lot of those movies are now so explicit. A lot of the content that is on TV, is on Facebook, is on social media, is very explicit. So you cannot you cannot say to a child anymore, uh, your winky or your pp or, or conservative language. Yes. You've got to call it what it is because they know it's a vagina, they know it's a penis, they know orgasm, and all yes. of these are words that in our previous generation I never heard my father, my father, I've never heard him say sex. Yeah. In, in my whole life. He never mentioned that word in my presence. We never had conversations about that. So we just thought it's time for us to demystify. If I don't speak in an open and real way, people mm -hmm. cannot trust me. So we had to be candid. We had to be open. We had to be very direct. Everything, we put all our mess in there, all our mistakes and our failures in the earlier years of our marriage, because we didn't always have the greatest sex life ever. We struggled, yeah. we, we had issues, because nobody taught me how to have sex. I mean, in the book I talk about, I talk about my early years that I used to think as men were taught that the sex is kind of like WWF. You yeah. get in the ring and you do what you do and it's like, one, two, three, the ref says, you have won. And it's like, yeah, I've conquered. Yeah. Until I began to realize my wife was very frustrated about sex. Not because she didn't want to have sex with me or make love with me, but because I was lousy at it. Mm. But again, that's a conversation we don't like to have as men. We don't like we don't like to be perceived as the guy who doesn't satisfy his wife. So you'd rather just keep keep that hero look. I'm a hero out there, but in bed, you know you're not doing the right thing. So yeah. we're very, very candid. We're very open, very explicit, because we need to help real people with real issues and there's real solutions. Oh, I like the way you, the, the way you're flowing with your answers. It's like, I told you the questions that, that I wanted to ask you. And then I never told you anything. And, and this whole idea that you're so adamant in building family life, especially through um, building couples, uh, and it's it's creating this healthy uh, healthy building of a family where we have, you know, it's full of life, it's full of love, it's full of unity. Um, do you think that it's time for, for us as families to even bring up this issue, uh, this idea of sex, bring up the issues and talks and conversations with our children as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. I am, I'm a strong advocate of um, early uh, education, sexual education. Yes. Why is it important? It's important because it's going to protect our children. Like I mentioned earlier on, social media and the, the, the age of the internet has exposed our children to all kinds of content. 
yes. kids are, are sending each other video files of nudity porn and so on and they're sharing it freely at schools and so on it's a major major issue in classrooms so if I, as my as a father, don't speak openly to my children about it, yes. the, and I still call it pee 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 wee wee winky, and I don't tell it as it is. Yeah. Somebody's going to tell them the they're going to find out the real truth. And the day my children perceive me as a secondary source of information, I have lost my role, my authority, and my place as a parent. Any parent that is not the primary source of information for their children has no authority with their children and that's and one major area is sexuality by the time kids are three four five they're discovering their sexuality they're yes. discovering i've got a penis i've got a vagina and, and by 10 11 puberty is kicking in they're seeing the hair they're seeing the the breasts develop and yes. if we don't have conversation about it yes. somebody else will and this is where sexual predators come in because our children are now googling and trying to understand and now somebody else understands what they're searching and they're feeding them content and information that i should have been the source of that information so for me Parents must be the number one source of sexual education. I mean, from an early age, I used to teach my kids. Uh, I'm a pastor and we run churches. I'll tell my kids, guys, when we get to church, you make sure you don't hug everybody. You only hug me and mom. You only get kisses from me and mom. You, you don't sit on people's laps. You don't sit on uncle's laps because you sit on somebody's lap and they start getting an erection. What are you going to do? That's where sexual abuse for girls comes through. So it, or even pedophilia. All of this stuff is important for us to have those conversations. And you tell them, if anybody starts touching you or wanting to touch you inappropriately, scream as loud as you can and run as fast as you can. These are necessary conversations that parents must have with their children. Oh, wow. So, so basically, it's in support with schools and churches bringing these conversations so that we can have them at home. Yes, yes. But they must start at home, actually, yeah, before they even the break out at church and at school. They must start at home. That, that, yeah, that's the thing. And, and I, I realize that with a lot of parents, they still do not want to speak about these things, looking at it as a taboo, looking at it as, no, we cannot speak about these things. It's, mm -hmm. it's not good for a, a father to speak to the daughter about this. It's not good for a mother to speak to the, to the son about this. And, and, and considering that, out of this, you will find that children now begin to learn these things from different, from people that they're not supposed to learn about them. Yeah, yeah. It causes them to, to start experimenting. And then that's where we get the teenage pregnancies. That's where we, you know, we get the unwanted pregnancies or we get where people are abused and raped. And, and we get to the point of having those gender-based violence issues yeah. that we have in our societies. Now, yeah. so do you think that this book would even help bringing up this conversation with parents? I think what the book will do is it'll take away the, the mystery, the fear, and the, the secrecy around the topic of sexuality and give the, the parents greater liberty to be able to, to talk to them. We do have other tools that help parents to have the conversation in the area of sex and sexuality with their children. If this may not be the one to, 
to use for that. But it helps me as a parent to come to a place where I have no fears about my sexuality. Because a lot of parents have this interesting thought in their mind that their kids don't even think the fact that every time they go into the bedroom, they're having sex. So parents tend to want to kind of hide that. And they don't even want to have a conversation with their kids that, yeah, your your father and I, your mother and I do have sex. And that's why kids now start having issues because you watch television. On television, everybody's sleeping with everybody. And there's no reference of mom and dad sleeping together. So the book will help the parents to have a stronger bond, stronger relationship, and greater liberty and freedom to have conversations about sex and sexuality, which will lead to or translate to their children being in a healthy environment that has healthy parental sexuality, and that will give them greater confidence as children. So so do you think... For me, as a as a single person, um, as as in not married, even if I'm I'm in the dating um, in the dating market, as they'll say, do you think it's advisable for me to to get the book and read the book as well, or do I need to go through different steps to get to that point? Oh no, I actually am an advocate that you must read it now. single people must read it now it's it because it helps you to understand what sex is and how it functions so your decision making process of what you're going to become when you're a husband or a wife is not what happens when the pastor says you are now husband and wife yes it's a build up that culminates from the decisions you're making now so i mean one of the simple principles that we teach in in the book is that sex is worship Sex is worship. Sexuality is worship. So uh, as I make love with my wife, we're expressing worship and intimacy to God. But when I understand that, I'm going to be careful what I do prior to getting married. Because I know that this is a gift that I need to give to my wife. And it's a gift that I need to give to God. So now you begin to make the decisions to do it right. And then secondly, obviously, understanding how to meet your spouse's needs. It's not something that's automatic. I made the mistake. I mean, I we, uh, we we talk about it in the book as well. When we went for premarital counseling, one of the couples that took us for counseling uh, was, I think at that time, they were in their 60s. Yes. And, and I mean, they were quite mature. They loved the Lord and loved us and loved marriage and so on. But they didn't, they were, they were not candid when it came to sex. They just gave us a good blanketed, conversation about it so when i went into marriage from being a youth pastor who was a major voice of purity and holiness i mean we used to do concerts all over the city on purity and abstinence and no ringy no dingy purity live holy i mean that was me my mind was bent on sex is not good then now i've got a wife i mean it took me six months of being married to wake up every day and see a, a woman next to me and I would be like, oh, I've just sinned. Then I realized, okay, no, she's my wife. She's my wife, calm down. So it took yes. me a while to adjust to the fact that I was now married. I should have been reading and getting to understand sex and sexuality and how it functions so that the day I say I do, I'm ready to hit the ground running. Oh, wow, okay. Now, now, now I get that point. And, and do you think then if it's, someone that has already experienced sex even in their single life do you think that this book don't you think that this book might even arouse ideas into that person's mind 
No, no. The, the core of the book, as you can see, the title, The Greatest, in understanding that uh, how to get the greatest value out of your sex life comes from understanding what sex is. So we go in depth on understanding what it is and how it works. And that sex is a very deep and intimate expression between two people that are in covenant together with a commitment to learn, to make mistakes, to find out, to flounder together, but still get up together. So once you begin to read the book, your value system begins to change. You begin to see the value of sex and sexuality, and you begin to realize that if I'm going to enjoy the greatest sex, it's not going to come from multiplicity of partners or giving myself away cheaply to somebody who has not made a covenant commitment to me or somebody I've not made a covenant commitment to. So now you have a great value for this thing called marriage, called sex and intimacy. So it'll actually help you to put, put up your bars and your controls and you'll be able to govern yourself better. Oh, wow. Okay, now that's a, that says a lot, man. And um, do, do you have maybe like some sort of a message just for the community, just for everyone around who hasn't read the book and to those who would love to read the book and those who, who feel as though this book is a taboo, this is like, who writes a book about sex? Well, wait, a pastor writing about sex? What are you trying to teach us? You know, what message would you, would you have for anyone? basically i would say to them god created us as sexual beings yes my sexuality was not an accident it was not a product of evolution it was a product of divine design and if god designed me and created me to be sexual he wants me to have full sexual expression within the confines of what he has designed it and it must be good anything that god designed is good is wonderful and there's many amazing benefits so i'd encourage you if you read the book you there's a whole two chapters that talk about the amazing benefits scientifically proven medically proven and biblically proven benefits of sex so by understanding what sex is and how it works you're going to position yourself to fully enjoy life to fully enjoy yourself in the marketplace in the world of business i mean one of the chapters talks about how a great sex life in a marriage will translate to greater income and economic freedom i mean those are all the wonderful things that god encrypted into this wonderful gift called sex that as we begin to discover them i want to encourage you get this book discover how to make more money how to great get greater freedom happiness fulfillment in life live long live healthy live strong all of these benefits are in a great sex life. And we've put them all in the book for you. God talks about sex. So if God talks about it, we can talk about it. Awesome. You, you've just said it all. And what what other way to end a great conversation than what you've just said, man? Thank, thank you very much, man, for joining us. And um, thank you for the information. And yes, I am coming to buy the book. And yes, I'm coming for, for coffee very soon. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I hope um, your, your next book, I see your next book is about saving marriages. And I, I like the way you're going through this, where you're going from, basically, if you look at the three books you wrote about relationships, yeah, you wrote about marriage and, married and loving it, and then, say, and then the, uh, the Greatest Sex Life, and then you re- write a book about saving marriages, which just gives, well, it just yeah. gives this whole context of we can just 
be all that in one especially yeah. in the in terms of the church and the ministry man. thank you very Absolutely. much uh dr extreme teach hey man Elvis, it's um, it's been my honor just to to come and have this conversation with you as a leading voice and i'm, I'm excited about what you're doing you have our full support we believe in your message we believe in what you carry and we believe you are a voice to our generation so we are fully behind you let's do this thing No, thank you, man. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome.